Wow, well, thank you. Appreciate that. Seriously, while we were worshiping, I was just thanking God. I was just saying thank you over and over and over that, that he called us here, that we get to be here and get to be a part of this amazing church family. So however you feel about me, no, I feel more for you, all right? I love you, I'm grateful for you, and um, I'm glad we get to be here today. It's just amazing to look around this room and see so many of you here, see all you wonderful people up there in the balcony. We're glad you're here with us as well. And I know we got some people joining us online, so we're glad you're joining us too. Now, if you're just jumping in for the first time today, like Abby said, we're honored you're here, welcome. We're in a teaching series called Right Now. The backstory on that is we entered into a Right Now special Christmas offering back at the end of November that runs through the end of this month, and everyone who has the, um, everyone who calls New Hope home has had the opportunity to give uh, to that offering, and we're taking the month of January, and we're unpacking uh, the initiatives, five initiatives for this new year, and we're talking about why God's word uh, speaks to these, why we feel called to these, some vision behind those as well. And what I wanted to do today is rather than speak to a particular initiative, uh, really speak to the why even do a special offering to begin with. Like, where do we get that guidance from God's word? And um, as you can see, I have a visual aid that I'm gonna be using to kind of guide our time together today as well. And so really what we're gonna be talking about today is money. I don't know all of us have had experiences in church with money, some good, some not so good. And my hope is by the end of our time together today, it's been a super positive experience where we see what God's word has to say. And again, like I said, we'll have kind of a visual aid to guide us through that time. But before we get to the specifics of that, uh, let me give you kind of a biblical foundation. Again, this is not an exhaustive foundation by any means, but just kind of four principles to kind of help us understand money um, as we see it presented in God's words. So if you like to take notes, maybe you wanna jot these down or type these into your phone. First of all, when we speak about this, it's important for us to establish that God owns it all, okay? So God owns everything, and that literally means everything, money being included as well. So let me give you a quick verse that gives us the guidance for that. The earth is the Lord's, Psalm 24, one says, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So anytime we talk about money, we never talk about it in terms of us owning money. Rather, we talk about it in terms of God owning everything, including money. The second foundational principle for us to understand then, once we establish that God owns it all, is that God then entrusts us with some of what he owns, okay? So think of it this way. If everything belongs to God, he allows some of it to pass through our hands. That makes us the managers. That makes us the stewards. So biblically speaking, we shouldn't ever speak of money as our money. It's God's money, He's allowed some of it to come my way, therefore I am entrusted to steward it well. First Chronicles 29, 12 says it this way. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. So God owns it all, he entrusts some of it to us. And then our third principle to establish when we talk about this is that we become passionate about what we invest in. So if you wanna find out what somebody cares about, just see where they spend their money. Money actually leads our heart. Now sometimes we get it the other way around. We think, no, 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 we spend our money on the things we care about. But what Jesus says is no, where your money goes, you'll eventually start to care about those things. Matthew 6, 21, here's how Jesus says it. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So a quick little example here. I grew up in the state of Georgia. Um, my grandmother put a Georgia Bulldog stuffed animal in my crib. I had no choice, all right? That's how that worked, okay? So I grew up as a Georgia Bulldog fan, 
And about the time I was in the second or third grade, um, I'd started playing basketball and I realized our basketball team was terrible. And my family took a ski trip up to Sugar Mountain here in the wonderful state of North Carolina, okay? Now I broke my shoulder and collarbone, but that's a different story for a different time, okay? While I was on the trip, I connected a few dots. I'm like, this is a wonderful state. I like to ski here. Michael Jordan was a Tar Heel. I'm gonna make that my team, right? So I adopted the North Carolina Tar Heels. And so I have two teams and they don't play in the same conference and it works, okay? That's how that goes, all right? Now, having said all of that, if one of our three boys, when they get ready to go to college, if one of them or any of them or all of them decide to go to Georgia Tech or Duke, both of my team's biggest rivals, okay? Let me tell you what immediately will start happening. I will start caring about those two fine institutions, right? My money's going there. So if I'm paying Georgia Tech and I'm paying Duke, if I'm doing that, right? <laughs> I'm gonna start to care, okay? That's how that works. Wherever you spend money, you start paying attention to what's going on there. And Jesus gave us that principle. And then kind of the fourth kind of, fine, both amazing institutions, right? The fourth kind of final principle then when it comes to money is that stewardship is a part of our discipleship. So here's what can happen very easily. In churches and in our own walk with the Lord is sometimes we can set money aside and stewardship aside as its own separate category. So when it comes to our spiritual growth, we'll talk about prayer, we'll talk about worship, we'll talk about reading our Bible, we'll talk about sharing our faith, but we don't wanna talk about money because that might upset somebody or make people think that the church is just after their money and so we just don't talk about it at all. But see, here's the problem with that. Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell combined. So if we're gonna be faithful to the teachings of Jesus Christ, we've gotta talk about money. And see, it's impossible to become a fully developing follower of Jesus without also becoming a fully developing steward of financial resources. They work hand in hand. Money is the most tangible measurement of our faith. And so we're very comfortable here at New Hope talking about money. But when we talk about money, we're talking about discipleship. When we talk about money, we're actually talking about our hearts. Now, why does that matter, okay? It matters because of what 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says. We get this guidance from Paul. He says, since you excel in everything, now this is a good list, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And so all of those things are placed together in the same category. And what we're gonna do today is we're just gonna kind of walk through and talk about some next steps using this generosity ladder. And as I go through these next steps, here's what I want you to keep in mind. All of us are at different places on this journey. The wonderful thing about next steps in our spiritual growth is that God always has one in front of us, and they're not always the same next step he has for everyone else, and that's okay. So as I go through this today, I want you to see where you are. I want you to see where God would have you to do, and I want you to see that as a part of your discipleship or overall spiritual growth, okay? But before I get to this, we gotta talk about something here for a second, okay? With a show of hands, how many of you are fans of the old school Price is Right with Bob Barker, all right? That means you love Jesus. Good, all right? <laughs> awesome. Big fan. Now, I don't wanna slam the new stuff, but that's what I grew up with. I mean, 11 a.m. on a weekday in June and July when I was home, I was watching The Price is Right, okay? Rod Roddy, come on down. Here we go, right? Love the show. I like it when people bid $1. I love Bob Barker's microphone, that long skinny. We gotta get one of those. I'm gonna preach out of that one Sunday. It'd be fantastic, all right? All the things. I love Plinko. I love how all of the game worked. But my favorite game on The Price is Right was called Cliffhanger. 
And it was called Cliffhanger because there was this yodeling mountain climber dude that would go up. Now, I'm not gonna yodel for y'all because that would be terrible, okay? But they would guess, and then he'd start yodeling, and if you, if you lost, he'd fly off the edge of the mountain. I remember the game, okay? And so he was a yodeling mountain climber guy on Cliffhanger, and I've always thought that was fantastic. And since we're climbing a ladder today, it's not the same as a mountain, but we're still having to climb, and we couldn't find a yodeler. I mean, if you can yodel, let us know after the service, and we'll plug in sometime in, I don't know, July, or we'll use that, but... But we had to come up with something. So what I have here, it's a helper, okay? He doesn't yodel, but it's fantastic, okay? Let me introduce you to mountain climber John, okay? This is mountain climber John. It's just fantastic. So I did better. At the last service, I accidentally touched his butt. I did it again, my bad. So inappropriate, or inappropriate. So this is mountain climber John. He's gonna help us climb our generosity ladder today, okay? We're grateful, thank you, all right? So let's get started with the basic level. Now the basic level is how we actually move out of financial stress. And that may be where you're at today. Money is something that's a source of stress. Like how do you break out of that? Well, you've gotta start somewhere. And what I'm suggesting is that you start by returning an initial financial gift to God that oftentimes the reason why we find ourselves in financial stress is because we have too tight of a grip on money. We actually think that it's ours. Maybe we've never heard that the Bible presents money as something that we steward. And so if that's where you are, this is the step for you to take. You've never given. You've never released some of that money that you've earned. And the best way to do that is by releasing or returning some of that money to God through your local church, which for us obviously is here at New Hope, in a way where you identify yourself as the giver. You say, well, shouldn't we do that anonymously? I mean, it's not supposed to be about us, and it's not about us, and I understand the heart behind that question. But the best reason to identify yourself as the giver here at New Hope is that it opens up a new line of communication for you here at our church. Now, I obviously don't have anything to do with the finances. We have an entire department that takes care of all of those things here in the life of our church. But what I do is I send out emails or I send out updates. And so, for example, we have to send out an annual giving statement during the month of January. So if you gave last year, you're going to be receiving that over the next seven to 10 days. Many of you will receive that through email unless you've asked us to mail it to you, which we are happy to then do. And along with that is going to come a video from me along with a really long email and or letter celebrating everything that God did in the life of our church in 2023. And what we're doing is we're connecting some dots. See, none of those things happen unless you give. Like there's not a centralized bank that runs all of the churches. Like what happens is everything is done through the giving of the faithful people who call New Hope home. So if you've never given before and you start to give, this year we're going to be sending out those quarterly. So you don't have to wait until the end of 2024. At the end of each financial quarter, you will receive your giving statement from that quarter along with an email and or letter from me that basically says, here's where all the money went. Now, I won't say it that way, okay? I won't be that blunt, but I'll celebrate. I say, here's what God did, and here's how you were a part of it. And over time, what you'll begin to see is that we report to those who support. That if you financially contribute to the life of New Hope Church, you'll never wonder about what's happening in the life of our church. So again, for some of you, that might be a step to take today. It's a great step to take. It's not a good place to stay, however, because we wanna keep moving up the ladder. And our next step is to the obedience level where we become a proportional 
giver. And biblically speaking, we become a proportional giver when we return the full tithe to God. Tithe is a word from the Bible. It's actually a word that means a tenth. And so it's one-tenth. It's not a particular number. It's a percentage. It's a proportion. So that's how we tie those things together. Tithing is one of the things that is kind of misunderstood, and um, I thought it might be helpful to just take a few minutes and unpack that. There's a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about tithing, but I want to take you to the passage that gives us the most exhaustive understanding of it, okay? So it's a little longer. Hang with me. I'm going to read it, and then we'll talk about it. So it's from an Old Testament book called Malachi, starting in chapter 3, verse 8. Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? So somebody's saying they've been robbed. Who is this? It's God. This is God speaking to his people through his prophet Malachi, and he says, you've been robbing me. The people then ask, how are we robbing you, God? God tells them in your tithes and offerings. He continues, you're under a curse. You're a whole nation because you are robbing me. Bring, therefore, then the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So there's a lot happening here, so let's talk about this. First of all, when we speak of tithing, we don't use the word give. We use the word return. We don't give a tithe, we return a tithe. The reason why we use that word is because God says it's his. God says that if we don't return the tithe, we're actually robbing him. God says if we don't return the tithe, we're living under a curse. He said that's strong language. Those are his words, not mine. You can take it up with him. I'm just the messenger, okay? That's what God's word says. In God's economy, 90% blessed goes further than 100% cursed. I don't know how that works. But God says we return the tithe, and it's 10%, but it's not just any 10%. That the tithe means the first 10, the first fruits. For example, let's just say you got a bunch of bills to pay, and, and we all understand that. So you get paid, and then you gotta pay rent or mortgage and utilities and food and all the other things, and you get to the end of the month, and you're like, I've got 10% left over. I can tithe this month. Well, that's biblically not what a tithe is. A tithe is that you actually return the 10% to God first. And then you say, by faith, God, we're gonna figure out how to make all this work with the remaining 90%. Now, can I tell you the number one reason people don't tithe? It's not because they don't wanna obey God. It's not because they don't want to take these steps or move up the generosity ladder. The number one reason that people don't tithe is because a lot of people live on 110% of their income, okay? It's a really easy trap to fall into. So let me just give you a news flash and or reminder. Your fancy neighbors that you see driving around in big expensive cars, going on big expensive vacations, doing big expensive things, they don't have the money to pay for it. They're living on 110% of their income because they're more interested in impressing their neighbors than getting out of financial stress, okay? And if we're not careful, we can start to follow the exact same path. Now, if that's where you're at, take a deep breath. The next year of your life doesn't have to look like the last year of your life. There's always hope. You can put a new plan in place. And we're gonna be offering some budgeting workshop and some financial classes throughout this year to help you in that process. We're not just gonna tell you what God's word says and then say you're on your own. We're gonna try to come alongside and help. But you return the first 10% to God first. God says that you do that through the storehouse. I believe the New Testament application of that is your local church. So you return 10% to God through your local church. 
And so many of you already do that. In fact, I love getting to do a message like this today when we're not in a place of need, okay? Because in the church I grew up in, the only time we talked about money was when we were behind on giving. And everybody felt guilty when they left. That's not the case here. At New Hope, we have a bunch of people who are faithful. We're in a really good place. Need is a four-letter word. We don't use it because we don't operate with a scarcity mentality. We operate with an abundance mentality, okay? That's why we do this. And when Morgan and I tithe, and we've been doing this for all 21 years of our marriage, we have never once thought that we are tithing to a church. Like, we don't think that we are tithing to New Hope Church. We believe we are tithing through New Hope Church, that we're being obedient to God. And God put a mechanism in place where if those who call themselves followers of Jesus will simply obey the teachings of his word, the church will continue to flourish from one generation to the next. And that's 2,000 years of church history. The last thing that God says is that we can test him. It's the only place in the Bible where you're actually told you can test God. You are given permission to test God. God says, test me. I know this one's tough, but you test me and you see if I won't bless you in return. Now, like I said, many of you already do this, but if you've never tithed before, or if you tithed in the past, and for whatever reason, you're not doing that any longer, I wanna offer you a next step, and I wanna challenge you to consider taking the four-month tithe challenge. Now, you can scan the QR code on the screen or scan the QR code in the seat back in front of you, and this would simply be you putting God to the test. Say, God, I don't know how this is gonna work, but for the next four months, I'm gonna tithe. I'm gonna commit myself to this. And if you wanna do that, I really want you to scan that QR code and take that next step and fill out your information so our financial office can have that on record. I've got a book I wanna send you called The Treasure Principle that I think will really encourage you. I wanna reach out about every other week, maybe once a month with a video or a little email to encourage you. Uh, But we also wanna keep track of this because let's just say that over the next four months, Um, a water line burst or you have car problems, life happens, okay? And you get a a need, not a want, but like you've got a a legit financial need. If you'll reach out to our financial office, we can kind of fast track you through the benevolence process. So we've got a benevolence process here, but we we steward those resources well and, and we make sure everything checks out. But if we've got record that you took the tithe challenge, we can turn that around a lot more quickly. We don't want you to get in a place where you're in a bind. And the reason why I'm unapologetically challenging you to do this is because I know something about God. And people who tithe know this about God. God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you, okay? This is a very tangible way for you to begin to experience that, all right? So if that's you, that's the step you need to take today or the step you feel like God's leading you to take, you can take that next step, all right? But we're not done. We're still moving up our generosity ladder. We're gonna talk about the peak level where we become generous Givers. Now, how do we become generous givers? We actually address the remaining 90%. See, biblically speaking, giving doesn't start until we look at the remaining 90%. And sometimes in life, it takes that remaining 90% just to get through life, and that's okay. But from time to time, there are opportunities to give. You know, maybe there's a, a, an organization you like to support, or maybe there's a missionary support, or some parachurch ministries you support. And I am of the opinion, and again, you don't have to share the same opinion, and that's okay, but, but I'm of the opinion that the tithe is reserved for the local church, and then the giving to the rest of those things comes from the remaining 90%. And every now and then, I'll have lunch with somebody, or somebody will stop me in the lobby, and they'll say, you know, I, I'm all in with the tithing. I just don't wanna do all 10% to the church. I'd rather spread that out a little bit. You know, what, what do you think about that? 
And if somebody asks me that question, I always tell them the same thing. The first thing I say is, well, that's between you and the Lord, okay? So like, I'm not gonna tell you what to do. I mean, clearly you're committed to, to tithing and that's fantastic. I'll just tell you what God's word says and here's what I believe about that. And so I you know, give them that answer. But then the, the bigger part is I just say, well, why wouldn't you want to return the full tithe to your church? See, the church is the only thing that will last for all of eternity. The church is in the building. It's not an organization. It's not a structure. The church is a people, okay? And the church is the only thing that will last for all of eternity. We will be together for all of eternity. Some of y'all better start getting along now, okay? You're gonna be together for all of eternity, okay? All of eternity. The church is all that will last. And so why would we not want to financially support something that will last for all of eternity. And so I like to challenge that. But then we can be stretched. We can be stretched to say, okay, there's other things that we can give to. And I wanna challenge you, if you're at this place, to consider what those things can be. And then I believe it's our responsibility as a church to give you opportunities to be obedient, to give you opportunities to stretch your faith. That's the heart behind a Christmas offering. Okay? We didn't do a Christmas offering because we needed $500,000. We did a Christmas offering because it's an opportunity to do some new initiatives in the new year and for all of us to grow in our faith. That's why we're doing it, and we'll do it every year. Every year, we'll have a mechanism in place that gives you the opportunity to stretch your faith and to be generous. And so again, we're in the middle of this offering. It's five ministry initiatives. We set a goal of $500,000. So how did we set that goal? I have a quiet time, and in my quiet time, I feel like the Lord laid that number on my heart, and I sat down with our leadership team, and they said, that's a big number, but if the Lord laid that on your heart, let's go, and I like setting big goals. I like to set big goals and see what might happen. So again, just as a quick review, we've got five ministry initiatives, and this is the opportunity for you to be a generous giver with the Right Now special offering. The first one is we continue in Jehovah Nissi. That's our church and the DR, and they need classrooms. Okay? They need a new kitchen. Many of you sponsor children through Compassion in Las Lomas. We want to sponsor more children as a church in the same village, but we can't do that because they can't receive more kids until they get this kitchen and this classroom built. That's why we included this in our special offering. The second one is we're renovating our indoor playground space into something for kids or something for students or something that both of them can use because we continue to grow in that area. We're continuing to upgrade some of our technology. We wanna steward well the worship ministry here, the songs that have been written. We've got many local missional partners here that we wanna continue to support. And then we wanna reach, teach, and release in greater ways than this year. So we've got about 10 days left in this offering. Once we get to the end of January, we're gonna move on and we're gonna start doing these initiatives. And so you've only got 10 days left to give. And as of the end of this past week, we were sitting right at about $325,000, okay? Which isn't bad. $325,000 isn't bad, but it's not 500,000, okay? Now here's the thing, I think we can still hit the goal. I think we can still hit the goal, and the reason why I still think we can hit the goal is because a lot of y'all haven't given yet, and it's time, okay? You're like, Pastor, I'm continuing to pray about it. The prayers are over, it's time to give, okay? <laughs> We're good, afraid enough, it's time to do something, it's time to give. If you call New Hope home, I'm challenging you to give, and here's why I'm challenging you to give. I don't want you to miss out on the blessing of what's gonna happen this year. I mean, as we talk about what's happening with these initiatives, you're gonna feel like you had something to do with it if you participated in it. But here's the biggest reason why people don't give. I know this, okay? This ain't my first rodeo. This is the biggest reason why people don't give. 
they've convinced themselves that their amount won't matter. It's not a big amount. I say, you set this big goal, $500,000, I can't give hardly anything, and so I'm just not gonna give anything at all because it's not going to really make a difference. Do we need to revisit the story of Jesus and the widow's might? Okay? It is not about the amount, but it has everything to do with your heart. Okay? It's about sacrificially giving from a surrendered heart. Some of you, if you sacrificially gave $100 to this special offering, it would hurt. You would have to cut something else out of your budget over the next month, and that's the point. There are others of you that if you gave $10,000, you wouldn't even miss it, therefore you've missed the point because it didn't hurt. It's not sacrificial giving. This is part of stretching our faith. It's part of how we become generous. So again, 10 more days, let's see what God does. I'm gonna come out here next Sunday and celebrate whatever the number is. And whatever the number is, we're gonna tackle those initiatives in this new year, okay? But again, I would be remiss if I didn't clearly challenge you so that you could be a part of it as well. And the way that you give is the same way that you do all the next steps here. You scan that QR code. If you wanna go online later, um, either through your phone or on your computer, however you prefer, you can take care of that, all right? But that's not the end of our generosity uh, ladder. We've got one last step called the legacy level, where I have to stretch, and the legacy level is where we become a generational giver. And this is the one that excites my heart the most. About 10 years ago, I started thinking about this and reading about this and praying about this and talking about this with other people, and then about five years ago, I started to actually see a way that this could start to happen. And so this has become something that's kind of a passion of mine, and uh, I've got a little video that really kind of explains the heart behind it. So I want you to watch this video, and then I'll come back and kind of wrap up our time together today. You and I can expect to spend 70 to 80 years living on Earth. That's truly not very long compared to the timeline of eternity. And as Christians, we know we are called to make the most of our time to reach people for Christ. But have you ever thought about what kind of Christian legacy you will leave behind for your family and future generations? At times, we can get a little off track, chasing after the things of this world, make more money, buy more stuff, and be more comfortable. We worked hard for it, so we think it's all ours. But is that what the Bible teaches us? Scripture like Psalm 24.1 make it very clear that God is the creator of everything and the owner of everything. But the story does not stop there. In the book of Matthew, Jesus commands us to wisely use everything he has given to us. When we understand that everything belongs to God and that we are asked to manage it for his glory, ownership ends and legacy giving begins. We see all that we have as gifts, not possessions. We realize we are managers, not owners. So every way we spend our money, use our time, deploy our talents is full of powerful kingdom growing potential. What if everyone started looking at everything they have as belonging to God and not themselves? How could that impact the church? How could that impact the world? For most of us, the biggest opportunity we have to be good managers of what God has entrusted to us comes when we die. But we can prepare for that moment today Today, we can choose to make a legacy giving plan that honors not only our family, but also the one who gave it all to us in the first place. Maybe God is calling you to continue giving to your church or to ministries you love, serve, and support even after you leave this earth, all to be used by Him to reach a world that desperately needs Christ. What would happen if we loosen our grip on the things of this world and learn to give back to God with an open hand, both during and beyond our lifetime? But how do you do this? And where do you start? 
That's where we can help. We can help you create a legacy giving plan that lives well beyond your life here on earth. And what is the result? The result of all of this is Christians who are choosing to use their time, passions, and money with a focus on God. Through legacy giving, Christians are sowing seeds that will bear real kingdom fruit and have an impact into eternity. And so, um, yeah, you can cheer for that. Good video, good video. So the idea there that really compelled my heart is that if the Lord called me home in a way where I went to be with him sooner than I had anticipated, okay, which could happen in any day. We don't ever know how many days we have left here. The idea that the resources that he had entrusted me with here during my time on earth could still be used to further the kingdom while I'm in his presence for all of eternity, that, that kind of stirred something in me. And I began to see that there's actually a way to, to make that happen. And so about five years ago, Morgan and I, we sat down and we went through this entire process because I'm not gonna ever talk publicly about something or encourage people to do something that, that I don't know is like a really good experience because I have this just nagging sense that at all times somebody's trying to sell me something, right? So I didn't wanna like, you know, advocate for this and then it's like, I'm at an Amway meeting. What are we doing, right? So I don't wanna do that, okay? So we sat down and we were guided through this process through phone calls and through Zoom and, and we were kind of at a place where, you know, Henry had recently been born and so we needed to update some things with our will and we needed to update some things with our life insurance and so that they help you kind of make sure you got all of those ratios where they need to be, kind of got all of the other things kind of set. And then, you know, have someone guide us, again, Christ follower guide us through, okay, so what would happen if the Lord called both of you home at the same time and, and your boys were still here? And so we began to have that conversation and solidify, you know, what would happen with them and how the resources would be left for them and who would raise them and answer all of those questions prayerfully and thoughtfully. And then as a part of that, again, the resources we've been entrusted with, would you like to take the opportunity to let some of those resources continue to further the kingdom even after you're with Jesus? Again, through a local church or through you know, organization like Compassion or through a Christian institution, you know, a number of different ways. And I found that to be incredibly powerful. And so that's something that we did. And it's something that I've encouraged a lot of people to do since. And if it's something that, that as I'm talking, you're sitting there going, I think that that's something that interests me. Like I've got a next step again by just simply scanning the, the QR code on the screen or right there in the seat back in front of you. And I'd like to just gauge your interest. Um, I believe it's something that everybody should sit, should sit down and do once they've become an adult. And I think that regardless of the decade or the season of life you're in, it's a really good thing to do. Now, I believe so strongly in this and uh, we believe so strongly in this. Again, maybe you're new. I should probably you know, say this from time to time. God called us here in June, so uh, we're still fairly new as well. We, we moved here from Montgomery, Alabama in a really great church there called Vaughn Forest Church. And we, we believe so strongly in this that we established a whole ministry there. And uh, as a church, we paid for anybody in our church to go through this process. We didn't want anybody to not do this because of the expense. And it's an investment, but that's exactly how I looked at it, as an investment. It's not an expense. And so I would like to do the same thing here at New Hope. I would like to make this available for everybody who calls New Hope home, where you wouldn't have to spend any money. But I need to see, like, some interest. So if only, like, three or four people are interested, we'll circle back around to it at some point down the road, 12, 18, 24 months. But if we get a good number of people who are interested, I'll probably invite you to dinner and talk a little bit more about it, and then kind of help you get started on that journey. I had someone stop me in the lobby after the last service and say, 
say, I'm interested, where's the card that I need to fill out? And so they were looking for a card, okay, which I understand. So there is no card to fill out. It is through the QR code. So if you'll scan that QR code, it's one of the next steps to help you get started on your legacy giving plan. And then again, I'm gonna kind of gauge the interest, see where we're at, and then I'll begin to communicate next steps as a whole in the next few months. But let me tell you kind of my heart behind this, okay? There's been a lot of little markers along the way where God's prompted my heart. And one of them happened a few years ago. We were at the church one day, and I think Henry was like five at the time. And, you know, we're just walking around, you know, doing something. And uh, Henry just looks at me and he says, Hey, Dad, what do you think the church is going to be like in 2091? I was like, 2091? Like, what are we talking about? I was like, like the year 2091? He's like, yeah. Like, what do you think the church will be like in 2091? And it kind of caught me off guard. And I sat there for a second. I was like, well, buddy, I think the church is gonna be amazing in 2091. Like, I think there are gonna be more people walking with Jesus than ever before. I think there's gonna be a global revival. I think we're gonna see God doing amazing things. I think churches are gonna be full of people. And in 2091, Henry, you'll only be 75 years old. You might be pastoring a church in 2091. Now, he walked off by this point, okay? He left me. (laughs) He lost total interest. But it kinda got me thinking about some things. And it's something that I revisit quite frequently. And here's a really powerful thought. There are kids walking around our campus every single week. They're going to see the dawn of the next century. Like, they're gonna be here. Y'all remember Y2K? Who knows what will happen, right? Then they're gonna see the new century roll in, like 2100. Like, that's within reason. So our three boys, when, when, when the new millennium starts, they will be 91, 89, and 85, And I just have this vision in my heart that there are three old men sitting on a porch (laughs) in their rocking chairs talking about us, talking about how grateful they are, that there was a generation of people when they were kids and when they were teenagers who had the vision to look ahead and recognize a few things. One, Nothing about this life is getting cheaper. It's called inflation. It's never going away. Things will only be more expensive in future decades, not less expensive. And they'll be grateful sitting on that porch that there were people who started having those conversations and they asked questions like this. Do we really think that in the year 2100, the tides of members at local church will produce enough financial resources to continue to further the kingdom moving forward? Here's the answer, no. There is a tipping point that will occur where that amount of money is no longer enough money to allow the church to continue to move forward like it has for the last 2,000 years. And so here's the opportunity that God is giving us today. We can fund it now. We can fund it now. We can make decisions now. Those of us who are adults, who are alive right now, who probably won't see the turn of the next century, we can begin to make decisions now with legacy giving plans for how we will fund the church one day when we're not around. Because let me tell you how God works. Read this over and over in God's word. Oftentimes in God's word, it's the things that we pray for and it's the things that we prepare for God does in the next generation. I said it's the things that we pray for And the things we prepare for, God does in the next generation. Do you know who understood that? The generation before us. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We talked about generations a few weeks ago. Older generations and generations that came before us, 
They understood this. They lived on less than they earned. They invested their money wisely. They funded Christian universities, hospitals, and churches. And here we sit today on their shoulders. And church, if we're not careful, we'll go the ways of the world and just waste all the resources we've been entrusted with by continuing to pursue consumerism and miss out on the opportunity to fund future kingdom growth. That's what God's calling us to. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where you are on this ladder, but you know what? It doesn't matter that I don't know because God knows. And when it comes to our spiritual growth, he's calling on every single one of us to take the next step in front of us. So maybe today your next step is you just need to release. You need to release some of the money. You're just holding on to it too tightly, okay? You just need to release. Don't get caught up in the dollar amount. You just begin to start that journey. For others of you, you release money here and there. It's a little bit more sporadic. There's certainly not a percentage attached to it. And you need to go home this afternoon and you need to look at that. And maybe you need to commit yourself to doing this four-month tithe challenge. Some of you, you've been tithing for years and for decades and you're kind of in a little bit of a rut. And maybe God's calling you to stretch your faith a little bit. And then, like I said, for others of you, maybe it's that legacy giving plan. So I don't know where your next step is today, but I wanna challenge you to take your next step. And as you consider the next step, unfortunately, we're gonna have to say goodbye to Mountain Climber John. So would y'all give it up for Mountain Climber John as he leaves us today? Maybe we get John to sign it and give it away after the service. It'll be fun, right? <laughs> Can y'all just all line up in the lobby and ask him that afterwards? That would bless my heart. That would bless my heart. Hey, let me leave you with one last verse because this is what it comes down to, okay? One last verse and we're done. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I love this verse. It doesn't say trust in the Lord with how you figure things out. It actually says that if we lean on our own understanding, usually that leads us down the wrong path. So for some of you, you've gotta stop thinking with this and start thinking with this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't you lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, submit to him. He'll make your path straight. Would you pray with me today? So God, help us with that. God, many of us have that desire. We have those intentions. We're just not exactly sure how to follow through with it. And it requires some faith. God, give us the heart to act with faith. God, thank you for being a generous God. God, thank you for being a God of abundance. God, thank you for being a God of blessing. God, thank you for being a God of faithfulness. And God, thank you for just the generations and the decades and the centuries of your people being faithful to allow us to be here today. And God, compel us to continue in that line, to set up the future generations as well. So God, as we worship you right now, speak to us as your children. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.